think I'm doing those eyes. <laughs> I think I'm in love. It was terrifying. The pain, the, the fear of being eaten. I was drowning at the same time. I just accepted that I was going to die. Was there a bit of fandom for you when it came on? Oh, huge. And I did not try to hide. <laughs> did not try to hide at all. Out of the Box with Serge Negus on FBI. for the epic morning of Sydney music and culture news. If you missed anything she played, you can head to fbiradio.com to catch up on mornings or any other program on FBI. Now, I wonder if you ever met someone who's done a complete 180 in life. My guest on the show today has one of the most harrowing stories you're likely to hear. It's bleak and it's dark, but it's also a story of redemption. Johnny Ewan was raised in a poor Vietnamese refugee family. They instilled a will to succeed in him to make something of his life. He was an A-grade student, well and truly on the right path. And then he fell into a world of drugs, gangs and crimes. By his own admission, he was a dealer, a standover man and an extortionist who used intimidation and violence to his own ends. Eventually, he ended up as a gang's ice tester. Kid you not, testing ice like someone to test wine. Testing the quality to see what it actually was worth. It's a wild story, but he has since moved on and he's most definitely turned his life around and we're lucky enough to have him in the studio today to tell his amazing story. Johnny, thanks for coming on the show. It's an absolute privilege to be here tonight. Mate, now look, it's a story that not many people will have heard, but I I really want to get stuck into first, you know, you you grew up in South Sydney, you know, refugee family. What was it like? Paint a picture for us of what your childhood was like. Yeah, so my childhood was... Uh, for memory, my parents, they, they loved us a lot. And uh, my dad would work 12-hour shift, work at night shift, day shift, and he would, he would learn English on, on the side. And my mother would uh, sew clothes in the garage uh, for not much money at all to, to try and put food on our table. And we always had food, and there was a the love there. But uh, in looking back, I could see there was missing that... That, uh, that affectionate way where, where I was looking for a father to put his arm around me and to, and to say, son, everything's going to be all right, and, and to try and explain the situations because they, they never really explained it to us growing up. Mm. And going to school, even at a young age, in, in kindergarten, in year one, year two, I could see there was a major difference between the way I, I was raised up and the way the other students around me lived their lives. And so you're saying that because basically your parents had to work so hard to get you even a remotely good life, it was almost they were just they weren't there as much as you would have liked. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So they weren't there as much as I would have liked, and so I spent a lot of time with my brother and my sister, mm. and we spent a lot of time with the the, the kids that uh, the, that the, they lived around around the block, and mm. we spent. Uh, yeah, you know, till ten, eleven, midnight, as as young little kids run around the streets, just playing sport, having fun. Mm. Come home midnight as a seven, eight year old, and knock on the window and and, and come in the house. You know, <laughs> no and way. Go, going to school. That's you know the kids were going to bed by seven thirty, eight o'clock, and we were, our night was just beginning then. What kind of stuff would you get up to? Oh, just you know, little stuff. You know, at a young age, seven, eight years old, I'll pick up. Uh, uh, some cigarettes from the floor and, and we'd get a lighter and we'd smoke whatever's left there and, wow. and we just run them up. We played rugby league and, and, uh, and cricket and we, we just, uh, you know, just, just the things that kids done but it was very different because yeah. we didn't have much boundaries. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, in terms of though, you know, given that your parents were working so hard to just make ends meet, you know, 
overall, what what did they expect of of you when it came to your schooling? And and so they came from Vietnam. They sacrificed everything, hmm. their livelihood in Vietnam, to come here with absolutely nothing but the clothes on their back, with a couple of contacts here in Australia. And so growing up, I kind of understood that, and I understood what was expected from me as a Vietnamese. A, a kid growing up was they expected me to do well. Mm, mm. They expected me to realize and understand the the they put their life on the line for us to be in a better country, which we are. And uh, and so I did very well at school. I was an A grade student. I, I I focused on my schooling, my sporting. I did everything that I could well uh, uh, from kindergarten all the way up to year ten. Well, we're going to get on to the music because it is a music show. And the first track you've brought on for us today is Tina Turner, Simply the Best. Now, why did you bring this song on? Man, this song brings back so much memories. Uh, you, you might not uh, never see me before, but I, I weigh a lot more than I do back then growing up. And so I was scrawny, uh, <laughs> f- 30 kilos, a uh, young little boy growing up. And I love rugby league. I love the big hits. And this song, when it came on, it just inspired me to go out there and smash all the big boys out 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 in the playground in the in the backyard game of rugby league so that's this song brings back uh, some childhood memories
You're listening to Out of the Box on FBI Radio. My name is Serge Negus, and my guest today is Johnny Newen. He's a reformed gangster and ice addict who now spends his time mentoring kids to help them find a crime-free life. Now, Johnny, when when did you actually you know discover drugs and and first kind of start going down this path? And so my first experiences would be at the age of 15 or 16 years old. And my uncles, two of my uncles were part of a Vietnamese gang in Western Sydney, Mm. uh, a major gang there. And so I'd seen snippets of their life when they would come over and see the friends they had. But uh, yeah, around 15, 16, that was when I started to experiment with drugs. And what were the drugs that you experimented with first? Uh, um, Pot pot or marijuana, as as you call it. Uh, Speed and uh, some pills. Yeah. Yeah. And was that like what? What was that scene like for you? Like, did it excite you? Was it? What was it like for you growing up in the family that you did, and kind of being, I guess, having your own ability to make your own choices from quite a young age? Like, was that just was it an escape, or was that just for fun, or how did you feel about doing that? Yeah. So when I be, first began, it was it was all fun. It was exciting. It was uh, the guys around me would be doing it. The cool kids at school would would be experimenting with drugs. And we'll smoke in the toilets, and on Friday, Saturday nights, we'll go to parties, get drunk, and, and, and start to take the drugs. And looking around, not everyone was doing it, and so it was something that was uh, 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 risky. It was something that, that made me have a reputation, made me uh, people look at me, and, and so it was exciting to start off with, definitely. Mm. And, and uh, from that, it went... It went, went deeper. Yeah, way deeper. And, I mean, when you first started to then get involved in crime, like at the very early infant stages of that, I mean, what sort of things were you doing? I was... I'd, I'd go to my friends' houses and I'd no longer want to study. I was still in school. Mm. And two years left of school, these are the most important years of my schooling. And I just said, you know what, later for studying, later for my HSC, mm. and I just wanted to have fun. I just wanted to party Mm. And, and and I couldn't wait till Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights come across and just meet up with the boys and 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 they'll pull out the marijuana, start chopping it up and 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 you know start I'll, I'll start having some 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 cones or some joints. Yeah. And and uh, and it would, it would take me to a place where I would zone out and space out from this world and 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 to a place where I can just it would just be me and the boys. That's that's yeah. all it was. And 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 for me, I felt like it brought a camaraderie. And a bond with these men, with these young young yeah. men, young boys, and and uh, and I f- and I and I really enjoyed it. Do you the, think the it beginning. created a real bond? Like, or do you look back on that now and think that maybe the bond that you had at that point in time wasn't as strong as you thought it was? Yeah, definitely. Now looking back, you know, a decade down the road, I could now see that 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 was not real bond. That was we were brought together by some guys enjoying taking illegal substances yeah yeah and it was uh yeah so it was not a real bond at all it was you know as soon as something happened the boys would run off and and you know and it was a fight going on we think that the boys would be there and majority of the time our our group would split our group would split and we'll see him again a few hours time the next day what happened bro you know la 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 it's all good man i this this happened i had to go and yeah, yeah. So yeah. they wouldn't really have you back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then you know, it was at sixteen though that your your dad then he kind of he caught you. He caught you with a bunch of pot and and he kicked you out, right? Yeah, that's right. So it was uh, about the age of seventeen years old. I was holding some marijuana for for a family member, and it was about a pound of marijuana. And I come home, and 
it was late at night, I come home and my father's sitting there with the marijuana on the table. And he goes, uh, ngồi xuống đây. Mày muốn ở trong đây, mày dọn hết này đi. Mà mày muốn buôn bán này, mày đi đi. Tao muốn mày ở đây nữa. And so what he said was, you want to sell this stuff? You pick up your stuff and you go. You want to live in my house? You get rid of this. It's your choice. And what did you do? Caught up with a good friend of mine, packed two bags, and I left age of 17. Uh, wow. I was angry. I was yeah. angry. And part of me was like, you don't understand that. I, I want to make money. I, I don't want you guys to work anymore. Uh, I, I want to I wanna sacrifice my life to make money. For two years, go hard. You guys don't have to work. I buy a house for you. You can relax. I understand the sacrifice you did for me. That that was part of my thinking, but I think a lot of it was I just wanted to have fun. I just wanted a reason to justify the way I was living my life. And then it took you down a pretty pretty gnarly path that we'll get stuck into soon, but we're going to get back onto the music. Now, the next song you got for us is Changes by Tupac. Now, paint, paint a picture of this. I think we can all probably kind of understand why <laughs> a young kid, you know, doing drugs here and there and kind of venturing into this crime world would play this song. But what does it say to you, this track? Yeah, so this, this song is like he's standing up for his rights. He's, he's going against the, the, the flow and stream of, of government and community and certain mindsets and... And uh, so this song really spoke to me. This is one of the main rap songs that I look back and, and remember well in, in my teenage years growing up. And it just, whenever I put this track on back in the days, I would, yeah, it would just, it would just, it would just get me ready to, to go out and do what I had to do. And, and uh, yeah, it's just, in a, in, 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 a, in a sense, standing up for what you believe, you know. See no changes. Wake up in the morning and I ask myself, is life worth living? Should I blast myself? I'm tired of being poor and even worse, I'm black. My stomach hurts, so I'm looking for a purse to snatch. Cops give a damn about a Negro. Pull a trigger, kill a nigga, he's a hero. Get it back to the kids, who the hell cares? One less hungry mouth on the welfare. First, ship them dope and let them deal with brothers. Give them guns, step back, watch them kill each other. It's time to fight back, that's what Huey said. Two shots in the dark, now Huey's dead. I got love for my brother, but we can never go nowhere unless we share with each other. We gotta start making changes. Learn to see me as a brother instead of two distant strangers. And that's how I was supposed to be. I can the double take a brother if he's close to me. Uh, I let it go back to when we played as kids, but then it changed. That's the way it is. Come on, come on. That's just the way it is. Things will never be the same. That's just the way it is. Oh, yeah. Uh, it ain't a secret, no concealed, a fact A penitentiary's packed, and it's filled with blacks 
But some things will never change Try to show another way, but you're staying in the dope game Now tell me what's a mother to do Being real don't appeal to the brother in you You gotta operate the easy way I made a G today But you made it in a sleazy way Sell it back to the kids I gotta get paid But hey, well that's the way it is Come on, come on That's just the way it is Things will never be the same just the way it is Oh yeah See no changes, can a brother get a little peace? It's war on the streets and a war in the Middle East Instead of war on poverty, they got a war on drugs So the police can bother me And I ain't never did a crime, I ain't have to do But now I'm back with the box, giving it back to you Don't let them jack you up, back you up, crack you up And pip smack you up You gotta learn to hold your own They get jealous when they see you with your mobile phone But tell the cops I can't touch this I don't trust this when they try to rush, I bust this That's the sound number two, you say it ain't cool but it rains, no fool And as long as I stay black I gotta stay strapped And I never get to lay back Cause I always gotta worry about the payback Some buck that I roughed up way back Coming back after all these years Right, tap, 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 tap That's the way it is That's just the way it is Things will never be the same That's just the way it is Oh yeah That's just the way it is. This is Out of the Box on FBI Radio. My name is Serge Negus and my guest today is Johnny Nguyen. He's a reformed gangster and ice tester who now spends his time mentoring kids and helping them find a life away from crime and doing better than... I guess like going down a very bleak path. Johnny, now, can you tell me what life was like when, you know, you were at your height of, of your, your criminal days? You know, you describe yourself as an extortionist, a standover man, and, and you also were an ice tester at one stage. But before we get into that, like what sort of crime were you really dabbling in when you got really serious in the gangs? Yeah, and so when, when I was really serious in the gangs was probably about the age of 22, 23 years old was probably the height of, 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 of me involved in that. And... And it got to a point where I had my own drug runs, drug businesses. Uh, I, I once had a, a drug business from from Western Sydney all the way down Victoria Road to to Redfern and 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 Broadway. And so I, well, whatever you wanted, you would call us and would bring it to you. Whatever drug you wanted, whatever legal substance it was, mm. I could somehow get my hands on that. And I was making quite a lot of money during. In, in those times. And what kind of, you know, when you say you're an extortionist and a standover man, what, what kind of stuff would that involve? Yeah, so a standover man would be, you've got something that we want, you've got money, you've got drugs, we'll call you up, we'll pay your visit, and we'll basically take what we want from you. And if you want something 
if you want to come against us, then we'll do whatever is necessary to, to, to make our name known. Mm-hmm. And so that would be either bashing them, visiting their family, visiting their business or shops. And we generally, most of the time, get what we wanted. And, and it was usually drugs or money. And this was all Vietnamese gangs, right? So can you tell us like about this gang? And like it was very much just Vietnamese gangs, right? Yeah, and so I was involved with, with mainly Vietnamese gangs, but uh, in my connections, I, I, was, I was linked to bikey gangs and, and different nationality gangs, the Middle Eastern gangs. And, but, uh, yeah, the guys I was with were mainly Vietnamese and, and yeah, mm. Vietnamese and Asian gangs. Yeah. And then it's during this time that you also you developed a, a pretty heavy habit of, of ice taking. I mean, what, what started that? Yeah, and so this these these gangs I was affiliated with, there was actually a code where you don't let these drugs run your life, but you use these drugs to make your money. Hmm. And so they'll regularly check up and see if we're actually on these drugs or not. Wow, okay. Yeah, and, and so because we understood that these drugs affect your mind, your thinking, and it's going to affect how I behave out there in the streets when I'm doing what I'm doing. Hmm. And so this was a lot of behind the scenes taking these drugs. Mm, mm. Um, I w- uh, most of the time, I would not take the, these drugs in front of the main main gang members because of this very reason, mm. that they hated their boys to be on these, this stuff. Mm. And so I'll do this behind the scenes at night time when we get home from, from the day out on the street and I'll get on these drugs and, and initially it was just tasting it, it was just testing it, it's knowing mm. my product. But then after that, it just became a, a, a habit and addiction where every morning I wake up, the first thing I'll do is go get the pipe, go get the four, and um, yeah, take this ice. And how deep did it go, your your addiction to ice? Yeah, so at my peak, it was every week I was using up to $2,000 worth of crystal meth ice. <laughs> wow, it's, it's a lot of... You would have had to have been making a lot of money to be able to to sustain a habit like that, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, I mean, how big an impact was that having on your day-to-day life? Like, can you describe to us how dark that was? Yeah, and so the best way I can picture it if you've never been in a, addicted to ice before is you you know what you're doing is affecting you. Mm. I knew it was affecting me. I could no longer think the way that I remember thinking. It, I thought everyone was talking about me looking at me, after me. I thought every car driving next to me was the police, undercover. I thought every person going past my house was spying on my home. I thought everyone in the shopping centre, I'd walk down into the shopping centre and think that everyone's talking about me and setting me up for a big bust. And so it was it, it was crazy. I, I, I started to hallucinate, see things. I'm, I'm hearing voices and people that aren't there i'm hearing voices and and it, and and it, it's a scary place it's mm. a very it's dark it's it's like a dark uh bottomless pit man and i'm just falling in this pit and it seems like i couldn't escape at all it's wild it's wild it's such a wild story and, and and you you know at some at one point started actually testing the drug for the gang right yeah how did yeah. that come about and why did why did what did you do yeah and so there was a point there when I, 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 when th- these gangs would bring in certain these drugs in that I would taste it, I would test it, I would know how, how much it's been mixed or jumped into, I can s- know the, the purity of it, how many percent is actually the real product. Wow. And yeah, just by lighting it up, seeing how, 
how, how this drug burnt and tasted and smelt and yeah it got to that point where i was able to test that and wow. um it's a very dark bleak point to get to right yeah definitely definitely well, look, we've got to move on to the music and get into the next stage of this journey that is going to get a lot lighter, I'm telling you. But before we do, look, um, this Lincoln Park, in the end, I mean, it's a classic, right? Yeah, definitely. And why, like, what, what does this song say to you? Man, I, I was a, a rap guy. I love rap, Tupac, mm. Big E, Easy E. But then I started uh, hearing rock music, and it wasn't a big thing in the Vietnamese community, but started hearing some rock music and so this is a this is a classic mix of both of them and uh yeah i've, I've always enjoyed this song and, and and when i first heard this song this 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 was a real standout for me It starts with one I don't know why It doesn't even matter how hard you try Keep that in mind I'm designed this rhyme to explain in due time All I know Time is a valuable thing Watch it fly by as the pendulum swings Watch it count down to the end of the day The clock takes life away It's so unreal Didn't look out below Watch the time go right out the window Trying to hold on it Didn't even know I wasted it all Just to watch you go
You're listening to Out of the Box on FBI Radio. My name is Serge Negus and my guest today is Johnny Newen. He's a reformed gangster who now spends his time mentoring kids, helping them kind of find a way, I guess, away from crime in Western Sydney. Now, in 2010, things were pretty bad for you. You know, you're at the bottom. You'd hit rock bottom. Things are spiraling out of control. What, what stopped that? How did you get out of that? Yeah, and so in 2010, uh, three of my associates, the house uh, had had been raided, and a couple of them were, were doing four and a half years in prison for, for what they'd been uh, raided for. And so when you're in the drug game, you know when the police are after you. You just know. You just know that you, you you know when your phone's tapped. You know when there's different people outside your house, and and you just get wind of this information. And so the police were knocking on my uh, my grandfather's house and my uncle's house looking for me. And so I was running from police, and I, I'd I'd only work in 25 years of my life. I only had worked one year, mm. six months at a at, at a at a at a supermarket place, and six months at a at a food restaurant. And so I thought, you know what, I better go get a job. If the police catch me, if I'm working, at least I'll say, you know, he's changed his life, he's a good citizen. And so I'd done this. I went to job, interviewed a warehouse, and I pulled into a service station and a total stranger. He's covered in tats as well. He's, he's a Lebanese background. He, was, he looked exactly like a bikey. Yeah. And he was actually uh, behind the cash register at this service station. And I, I filled up my petrol and I was paranoid. I was on drugs still. Mm. I came into this place and uh, this gentleman invited me out to uh, an event at a Christian church. So he saw he saw that you were clearly on drugs and in, in a bad place, right? Yeah, He definitely. picked it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, yeah. He, and because of that, he invited you to a church. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. what was that like going from being on drugs to then suddenly being invited to this to this religious institution? Yeah, and so it was it, it was a spin out. You know, I was mm. that night I came, I was I was coming off the drug, and I brought my girlfriend at the time with me, and I, I was paranoid. I was paranoid, and but it was something about this guy. I looked at this guy, man, and and this guy was smiling. He was happy. He was, he wasn't your regular bikey Middle Eastern looking dude. Mm, you mm. know, he, he he looked like that, but it was something different about this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, then I just said, you know what? I, I, I want to go and see what this guy's talking about. I want to find out what, what, what changed this guy's life. And what was that experience like for you? Yeah, I, the only way I can put it, I, I remember in a newspaper article, the title was, It's a Miracle. For myself, it was a miracle where I sat down in this little building and there was an ex-Australian soldier that was given this talk, telling about his life. And he mentioned how Jesus changed his life. And for me, I'm like, Jesus? What? I know Jesus. I've, I saw him in church, you know, hanging on the cross there. I, I know what this guy's <laughs> talking about. But how can he change my life? Mm. And uh, it wasn't until he preached the good news, he shared the good news to me. And uh, that night he challenged the men. He challenged the men in that setting he says, men, if you want to rise up, you want to make a difference with your life, I want you to stand up and make a stand tonight that God's going to change your life. I'm like, man, I've never heard this before. I've never heard this in my 26 years of existence. I've never heard that my life can be changed in this way. That's a really interesting point, right? Because do you think that, I guess, like wherever you are in life and whatever support comes around you, it is actually, for you, it was about 
having something that made you feel like you could do something other than the bleak life that you're in, you know? It was yeah. that, is that what it's about? Do you think that it, it was about the support that the church provided and the institution provided? Yeah, so I think that's 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 part of it, definitely. Mm. I think it's part of having a, a support around you and people around you that will see you not 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 necessarily where you're at now because I I, I also I was, you can call me a junkie I was messed up mm, but mm. they could see you know something could be made from my life something could I I could have turn around mm. and actually have a purpose for my life and if you hadn't have found that I mean where do you think you would be now one hundred percent dead or 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 in jail addicted to ice and addicted to every other drug you can you can picture. One hundred percent. Now, moving on to the music again, mate. We've got Brooks and Dunn. Believe now, a bit of a country track. Why, why did you choose this song? Yeah, I, I, to be honest with you, I've never enjoyed country at all. <laughs> never at all. Um, and I know country is big here in Australia, but yeah, not not that long ago, I actually heard this on 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 on, on the radio. And um, I was with my wife at the time, and we just fell in love with this song. We fell in love with it, and I looked into the lyrics, and it's 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 it's, it's got some great lyrics there that I can definitely relate to, and um, yeah, and it's uh, it's a wonderful song, wonderful track. Old man Wrigley lived in that White House. Down the street where I grew up Mama used to send me over with things We struck a friendship up Spent a few long summers Out on his old porch swing Said he was in the war, went in the Navy Lost his wife Lost his baby Broke down and asked him one time How you keep from going crazy He said, I see my wife and son in just a little while I asked him what he meant He looked at me and smiled Said, I raised my hand Just what I can see, oh, I believe. Mm -hmm. A few years later, I was off at college, talking to mom on the phone one night, getting all caught up on the gossip, the ins and outs of the small town life. I said, oh, by the way, son, mm, old man Wrigley's died. Later on that night, I laid there thinking back. Thought about a couple long lost summers. I didn't know whether to cry or laugh. There was ever anybody. 
Reserved a ticket to the other side It'd be that sweet old man Who looked me in the eye Said I raised my hands Bow my head Finding more and more truth In the words written in red They tell me that there's more to life Than just what I could see I can't quote the book The chapter or the verse You can't tell me It all ends in a slow ride in a hearse You know I'm more and more convinced The longer that I live Yeah, this can't be No, this can't be No, this can't be This is Out of the Box on FBI Radio. My name is Serge Negus. My guest today is Johnny Nguyen. He's a reformed gangster and ice addict who now spends his time mentoring kids, helping them find a life that's free of crime. Now, you've started to turn your life around. Everything is looking up. And then in 2011, tragedy strikes for you again. So you're not completely out of the darkness. Your brother committed suicide. I mean, how the hell did that impact on you at that point in time? Yeah, that was... Looking back now, that was uh, it was devastating. It was a devastating time for for myself and my family. Uh, number one, my brother was totally opposite to who I was. I was a drug dealer. He didn't even touch drugs. I, I dealt drugs. He worked. He was a handyman by trade. He was a good citizen. And when I found out that news that Friday morning. It devastated me to a point. It's just like I was so winded. I, it's like someone gave me a big kick in the guts, and and it's like yeah, you know, literally I couldn't breathe. Finding out this news, you know, and uh, and it's got to that that last year. I was very close to my brother because growing up we kind of distanced ourselves because of my lifestyle. But I built a really good relationship with my brother over the the year that I was a Christian, and and uh, to find out this news, it broke it broke my heart. And how did you get on with that? Because did, did it challenge your faith or did it make it stronger? How did you move forward after that? Yeah, and so when I found out that news, it was 2.30 p.m. that Friday. My sister actually called me and and she was she was struggling to tell me on the phone, but she finally told me Stephen's committed suicide. And I remember getting off the phone, that conversation, dropping on my knees and just crying. Just crying. I was bawling my eyes out. And I remember just crying, putting my head on the floor. I'm on my knees, and I just said, "God, you got to help me. 
and I can sit here tonight and testify that, you know what, God did help me. I, I really don't know where I would be tonight if, if he didn't. Because if you've exp ever experienced a loved one losing their life or not to mention taking their own life, committing suicide, it's, it's a dark place. It's, mm -hmm. it, it's, so many questions come to mind. And there were sometimes doubt there were that the next six months, you know, is this for real? What, what's life all about? And, but I know, even being a Christian for a short amount of time, that God was there to help me through this time, 100%. Now, look, if anyone out there is experiencing any issues or struggling, you can head to Headspace's website or Lifeline to find any support out there. Now, Johnny, moving on to the music, you've got Eric Clapton, Tears in Heaven. I mean, it's a deep track, obviously. But is this does this remind you of you, bro? Yeah, definitely, definitely. This this, yeah, it definitely reminds me of my brother and and thinking, you know, where where's my brother right now? You know, thinking, you know, I I know there's more to life. You know, I'm just just hoping one day I'll, that I'll see him in heaven. You know, and yeah, that's 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 the hope that I've got. <laughs>
Listening to Out of the Box on FBI Radio, my name is Serge Negus. My guest today has been Johnny Newen. He's a reformed gangster and ice addict who now spends his time mentoring kids, helping them find a way in life when, you know, they might not be having the best options coming at them. Now, Johnny, you're now a husband, a father, you're free from drugs and alcohol and gang life. It's been about seven years or so, and you travel the world, you speak in schools and jails, really just trying to lift youth up, right? Now, tell us, tell us about that work. Yeah. It's, uh, it's an absolute privilege to do what I do. And this is not my full-time work. I actually work a full-time job in a warehouse. Uh, but once a month, a couple of times a month, I get the opportunity to... Uh, I've travelled Australia, every part of Australia, South Australia and Tasmania. Uh, I've got to go to Fiji. A couple of months ago, I got to go to Vietnam. I've been in New Zealand. And it, what, what I do is I tell my story, my uncut story. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, stories are cut out, and the, the 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 deep bits are left out. But I tell my story, and I do these presentations with photos and video clips, and and uh, and I tell these these stories raw, uncut, and to try my best to let people know, hey, listen, you doesn't matter where you're at in life, that that there's hope for your life. You know, if you if you're here, you're breathing, you've got a purpose for this life that you don't need to be on the drugs addicted. You, you don't need to be going down that road of committing suicide and taking your life. But you know what? You, you've been created for a purpose. And, and to really inspire people with my story that you can be in the darkest place tonight, but in a moment of time, you can be set free and, and have a reason to live. And how much better is your life now? Oh, God. Amazing. It's amazing. Uh, it's black and white. It's it's It's... it's you can't even compare it. You know, yeah. I'm married. I've got a beautiful wife. I'm Vietnamese. My wife is a six foot tall Australian girl, a lovely wife. I've got two beautiful children, and uh, it's an amazing life that I live now. It's amazing. I wake up every morning grateful and full of joy for for this life that I that I'm, I'm living now. 
Well, Johnny, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. But look, last one. It's a song about the church. It's a song about God because it's obviously been a massive turning point in your life. Tell us about this song. It's Jeremy Camp. Yeah. And so when I first became a Christian, uh, somebody gave me this track and I've played it. And basically it spoke to me because I had everything in this world. I had the $250,000 BMW. I had the two houses. I had the girls. I had the drugs, the fame. I had everything. And when I became a Christian, I understood, you know what? As long as I have Jesus, nothing else matters. Now for me, this, this is my journey. For me, having Jesus Christ in my life is, is, all, is all that matters to me. And He's changed my life. And, and, and you know what? They can t- everything else could go, but if just give me Jesus. And this really has kept me going for the last seven years. Well, Johnny, thank you so much again for coming on the show. Coming up next is Lunch with Brady Tanner. Big thanks again to my producer, Heather McNabb, and uh, I'll see you guys next week. In the morning When I rise In the morning When I rise in the morning, when I rise, give me Jesus, give me Jesus, give me Jesus, you can have. Just give me Jesus When I am alone When I am alone Oh, when I am alone Give me Jesus Jesus, give me Jesus, you can have all this world, just give me You
Just give me cheese.